Well, we're looking at the womb of God as we look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. And again, this is a story where Jesus teaches Nicodemus what it means to be reborn um, in the Lord. And so we look at this, this womb of God. I just mentioned earlier that we have, we, again, we celebrate with Carrie who had a baby this week. Um, again, what a, what a wonderful addition that is to our community and to our fellowship. And so we think about, especially this week, it's appropriate to think about the womb. The womb is a special place. Uh, especially when it comes to faith and the spirit and spiritual life. The Bible says that that is where we are knitted together. That is where God crafts us. Uh, that is where creation takes place. The womb brings forth life. The womb brings forth a connection that forms a bond that cannot be easily broken. The womb is where we all start. That's where we all begin. There's not a single person here today who did not begin in your mother's womb. You, you may have been adopted or you may have been placed in another family at some point in your life, uh, but you started somewhere in someone's womb. All of us start there. The womb of God does similar for humanity what takes place in the expectant mother. God, out of His love and desire to be in relationship, created all of humanity. He breathed life into all of mankind. There is a likeness that exists in all of God's creation, on all of His children. And that is what binds us together with God. Almost like a mother and the connection that she has with that newborn son or daughter. God, likewise, has that connection with us. There are actually scientists out there that have written papers and have gone on with all kinds of beliefs about this gene that exists, this God gene. I don't know if you've read about the God gene. I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning on this subject, but I have read several articles that, that, that put forth this idea that that, that there is something that exists in some people, uh, mainly religious or spiritual people, where they have a gene that makes them that way. In other words, there are some who might not be spiritual who do not possess this gene. Well, again, I'm not going to spend too much on the science today, but what I would say is if there does exist something such as a God gene, the first thing I would say is that God put it there. And God is the one who created it. God is where we must start our new life once we have realized what He has done for us. We think about and we reflect on what He did for us last week as we think about the resurrection story and how much He loved us. Well, that love is what compelled Him to create in the first place. And so His creation for so many years did what was contrary to, to all creation. They went away from their Creator. They went away from the womb of God. And so for us to return to the womb of God, to return to where we ought to return, we must approach such ideas. Through Jesus Christ, God breathed life into humanity once and for all. 
And Jesus discusses this with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And that's where we pick up this morning. We first, as we look at the story with Nicodemus and Jesus and their back and forth discussion, we first realize or understand that there was a reliance on what Jesus was saying. A trust coming from Nicodemus. Verse 1 and 3 say this, again if you'll follow along in John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. So in other words, this is not just some ordinary person that Jesus is talking with. This is an important person. He is a teacher. He is someone who has spent a lot of time around Jewish history and around Jewish customs. And so here he is speaking with someone of importance in verse 2. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, or teacher, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now I want to stop and, and I want to focus on verses, on verses 1 and 2. I mean, I already mentioned that, that Nicodemus was already looked upon by many as an important person. He was a teacher himself. He was someone who was very, very accustomed to the Jewish traditions. And so he comes to, to Jesus and he starts to ask him questions. But I, I want to take a second and, and note that the Pharisees get all kinds of bad credit throughout Scripture, and, and rightfully so, because they, are, they tend to be on the wrong side of, of Jesus' arguments. But here is an example where Nicodemus approaches Jesus and he acknowledges Jesus as a teacher, a fellow teacher. He also acknowledges Him as someone who must come from God because he says, look, you have done miraculous signs and, and there's no one that could have done the things that you have done if God were not present within that person. So here's a Pharisee, Nicodemus, who is acknowledging that Jesus is from God. So what do we make of this? Well, the first thing we make of it is that Jesus had street credit, if you will. Um, we know what it's like to have street credit. We've got people all throughout uh, our community that have street credit. In other words, you just say the name of, of certain people in a certain society or in a certain small community, you'll know who those people are. Back where I grew up in the Wilson, uh, there was a, a group of, especially when I was in high school, there was a group of uh, of brothers that were there were the Galliazzi's. Yeah, I guess they were Italian, but that has nothing to do with really my story. But my point was is that they were about five or six brothers that 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 just had again that street credit. You you called out their name if you were a friend of theirs, if you hung out with them, then you were in, man. You were cool. Uh, you had everything taken care of. They had your back. They would come and and, and fight your battles for you. Or, or they were going to be, uh, again, the, the, the group that would always be together on the weekends. And so, again, we know what it's like as you grow up. There are people in, in our society, I'm sure here in this Mint Hill, Matthews area, if you call out the certain names of certain families, you know who they are. We know who our mayor is just by name. 
and, and so on and so on. And it extends all the way up to uh, even the nation, the Clintons, the Bushes. We talked about the fact that so many people have didn't want uh, uh, Jeb Bush because they didn't want another Bush in the White House. And you can debate whether or not you want another Clinton in the White House. But the Clintons and the Bushes, they have that name. No matter where you stand in politics, you know that name. You know who they are just from simply calling out their name. Well, Jesus had that in a way because the Word had been getting around the community that Jesus had been doing these miraculous signs, that He had been healing people, that He had been exercising demons, that He had been doing all of these miracles. And so His reputation has gone before Him and Nicodemus believes Jesus he has a reliance on Jesus because of what he has done. Before Nicodemus would ever attempt to understand what Jesus was going to say, he had to first rely on his word. He had to trust that what Jesus was saying was true. But now for understanding, that is a different story. For any of us to ever understand what Jesus is trying to teach us in our daily lives, we must first rely and trust in His Word. Before He or any of us can fully understand, there must be, secondly, a rebirth, a total reimagining or reimaging of how to view. God. We start this transition in verse 3 as, as Jesus tells him, tells Nicodemus first, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Verse 4, how can a man be born where he is old? Nicodemus said or asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You know, when Jesus first starts to tell Nicodemus about being born again, it almost reads as a bad joke, if you will. It's almost like Nicodemus says, look, Jesus, your joke does not make sense. How, how can someone be born again? We've all told a bad joke or two, probably, I'm sure. I've told jokes standing here in the pulpit, didn't get much of a laugh, moved right on to the next one. It's the way life goes. Sometimes we tell jokes, it doesn't seem to make anyone laugh. Well, telling this story almost comes across to Nicodemus as a joke. Nicodemus responds to him in verse 4, and he says, Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb. Jesus, what are you talking about? You must be telling a joke. One joke that always seems to... to uh, be told, I guess, in large masses and can be told with that, whether you're old or young or, or the blonde jokes. 
Now, I want to first say that blonde jokes are really have nothing to do with the color of someone's hair. They're really about people who just can't get the story, just can't get the message. They just can't seem to have common sense when it seems to be rather simple. That's almost kind of what's taking place here. Jesus is trying to speak very simply with him, but Nicodemus thinks that he's trying to speak in some kind of code. Now Jesus is not talking about a literal birth, a literal rebirth, if you will, but a spiritual one. So he explains himself. And before we can ever restore the relationship between humankind and God, us and God, we have to return to a vulnerable place. Jesus is telling us that we have to return to a humble place. When a baby is born, they are heavily reliant upon that mother. They can't do anything on their own. So likewise, as we, as as God's created, as male and female, men and women of God, if we're going to return to His teaching, we have to return to a humble place, a place where we rely on His Word, where we trust in His Word, where we are reborn, heavily reliant on the nourishment that His Word has for us. He goes on then to talk about the implications of rebirth. He does so by explaining that what must take place is a resurfacing. So look, if you will, at verse 9. It says, How can this be, Nicodemus says? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you have people who do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whosoever does not believe, stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Have any of you ever resurfaced a piece of furniture or, 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 or some, uh, some project that you were working on, you resurfaced maybe the outside of your, uh, of your barn or, or, or again, maybe a, a chair that you were working on? What did you have to do? You had to, first of all, you had to strip away all the things that were on it, the paint maybe that was on it. Maybe you had to sand down some of the grit and some of the, the weathered look. And so you had to really, again, get a, a, a fresh surface, get down to, to the bone of that piece of wood, right? 
to where it would soak in whatever you wanted to put on, whether it be a new coat of paint or, or some other kind of resurfacing uh, product. The first thing that has to happen for any of us is we have to strip away our old life. That's what Jesus tells Nicodemus. He says, you know, first of all, I taught to you, I, I, taught, I, te- I gave you all kinds of teaching, but you didn't want to understand because of all the tradition that you had. So before we can ever understand fully what Jesus is talking about here, we have to strip away anything that would come between us and His teaching. But then we have to be ready and willing to accept whatever is given in its place. And Jesus teaches that what is given in its place is a new Moses, if you will, of Jesus being a new image of Moses, of Jesus being lifted up on that cross. It's a foreshadowing to what we celebrated just a week a little over a week ago as Jesus hung on the cross for us. Now I've talked to you about in the past about the story in the Old Testament where Jesus lifts up the snake. It's a, it's a story about these Israelites where, where they, they had disobeyed God and so God sends all these serpents, these poisonous snakes to bite the people. And as they're sick and dying... Moses pleads with God and he gives them this pathway to redemption. And he tells them that if they will look upon this snake, this image that Jesus, that Moses, that he would form, that then they would be healed or they would be cured. But it would take their faith in God, ultimately, that if they would look upon that image, that they would be healed. And so the story goes that Moses does just that and that some of the, the Israelites, some of the people look upon and they are healed and while others choose not to do so. Again, here we have a foreshadowing of Jesus being put up on the cross and those who would look upon Him and believe in His name would have this, this rebirth, if you will. They would have all of the surface stripped away and something in its place that would be left. A new beginning. You know, we think about this story when we look at Moses, but even if we want to look more simply at the story of, of Moses going to the Red Sea and raising his staff as he's getting ready to put it in the Red Sea and part that Red Sea, we ultimately think about the action that takes place there and the trust that Moses must have had that his staff would allow his people to walk on dry land into hope and promised land. Jesus likewise was held up on a cross that we might have the opportunity to walk through death into the promised everlasting life. When this happens through, with all sincerity, there is a positive and equal reaction, which is where Jesus concludes His teaching with Nicodemus. Because of the reliance, the rebirth, resurfacing, our relationship with Jesus Christ experiences a refocusing. Look again, if you will, at verses 19 through 21 as we close out our reading this morning. It says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, 
But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not, and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whosoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. I mentioned uh, earlier in the service that you know Sarah and I had gone, spent a couple of days in Colonial Williamsburg, and we had gone to Yorktown, and, and we took tons of pictures. I haven't posted. Sarah's posted some of hers on Facebook. I have not yet. They're all stored on my phone. But I took, I took probably several hundred pictures over like two days. We've become, become so accustomed to pulling out that phone and taking pictures. But I noticed as I was doing that, there was several individuals that had those fancy, you know, cameras that where they had the big old lens, the big old, uh, you know, again, I don't know the technical terms for all those cameras. I'm not a photographer. But I know that it was a fancy camera and it had this big old lens and, and he, would, he would take the lens and he would turn it right or left. And, and as he did that, I'm sh- I know enough about those cameras to know that what he was looking at would either come into focus or, or come out of focus, depending on whether he turned it right or left. What Jesus is teaching us here is that when we look at our lives, when we reflect back on the things that we have done, there must be a refocusing that takes place. Sometimes we are scared to focus in on our, on our lives for fear that our deeds are going to be exposed. That's what the Scripture that I just read speaks about. And those who are so full of pride and who do not want to get into that humble place of, of rebirth, they hold on to those sins and they never come to fully confess and commit to God. But if there can be a, a, a focus, if you will, a refocus to allow the, the things that are in our lives to be given over and to be confessed, then there can be a, a living in the light as Jesus speaks about. The question this morning is, are we willing to take the vulnerable step to return to the womb of God, to return to the starting place, our, to humble ourselves in order to rely, to become reborn, to go through a resurfacing in order to refocus on the will and desire of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we, as we close out our service this morning, we close out reflecting on the actions that we have taken this past week and this past month, this past year. And Lord, Your Word tells us that we have to, from time to time, take a good, hard look at those actions, at the way that we've been living our lives. Father, I pray that we would be willing to refocus not on the things that we have done, not on continuing in the same path 
that maybe we found ourselves to be on. But to allow ourselves to refocus on your will, on your desire. To set aside those things that that maybe we secretly covet, that we secretly desire. Those stumbling blocks, those struggles that we have. That we would do a, a total resurfacing this morning and, and in the weeks to come. That we would allow all of those things, all of that old way of life to be stripped away and that we would allow Your Holy Spirit to come and to give us a, a new perspective. A fresh and a fresh coat of, of your life and your ways. That, Lord, we would be willing to trust and rely on your word when it tells us that we must come to that vulnerable place, that we must be reborn, that we must take the step of acknowledging that we, we are weak and that we are in need. That, Lord, we are only strong or we are definitely strongest when we are with You. When we allow Your Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to teach us when we rely on Your Word. Give us Your strength and Your Holy Spirit as we live the lives You have called us to live. In Jesus' name, Amen.